0: Yeah. OK, good evening. Thank you so much all for attending. Um, so with this this evening we, we have uh, Andrew Booth with us. I am not going to be able to pretend to be able to introduce Andrew, but he is definitely going to introduce himself. And I'm glad many of you are here, but it will be, and then the magic happens and really synthesis really be systematic. So Andrew, okay. the floor is yours. Thank you for attending. Uh, it's great to be here and uh, particularly appreciation you've had a heavy day and so I'm trying to not be too heavy but I will try and be controversial. Uh, so um, uh, we will see how that goes. And, and obviously the controversy is uh, present there in the, the title. Um, what I, I would say is um, my background. Um, just over 20 years ago I um joined the School of Health and Related Research at the University of Sheffield. We do a wide range of systematic reviews um, for all sorts of funders, Um, perhaps the uh, one that I'm sort of most proud of at this particular moment was doing the review um, for the Department of Health on alcohol minimum pricing, um, because although uh, England resolutely refused to listen, partly because of how many votes they thought it would lose, uh, Scotland has just, of course, um, Uh, reacted to that, so it will make a lovely impact story. And I was the first reviewer on that particular piece. Um, But um, in later um, review life, I saw the light and became a a qualitative uh, evidence synthesizer. Um, And um, that sort of led me in a roundabout route to um, familiarity with realist synthesis. Um, I'm a a co-convener, one of 10 co-conveners of the Cochrane Qualitative and Implementation Methods Group. So I'm coming from the stance of being a systematic reviewer by sort of tradition, if you like, sympathetic to the qualitative tradition, um, very keen on the idea of the systematic review toolkit. Uh, In other words, that you need to be able to choose methods judiciously. And and so that's where, where I'm going to be coming from today. So um, this is what i uh, said that I would talk through, so i have to speak to this in some way. Um, I'm just going to very briefly rehearse the role of um, realist synthesis within um, health services research and evaluation. Um, then uh, looking at the, this sort of um, uh, juxtaposition. Uh, another thing I should say is my, um, my PhD thesis, fairly recently I did it uh, uh, um, by publications, uh, was on the conflicting traditions of qualitative synthesis, uh, uh, I'm sorry, qualitative research and systematic reviews as they came into conflict, if you like, um, like two tectonic plates rubbing together. And I can see an element of that um, here with, with systematic reviews and realist uh, synthesis, that they are like two tectonic plates struggling to, to sort of um, uh, occupy a role. I'm I'm going to be a little bit provocative and say, well, is realist synthesis really a a review method, um, or is it um, claiming time and uh, resources away from from doing the real job? Um, uh, And then I'm going to um, look at some of the challenges and issues. um, And and I've sort of given a little bit of the story uh, away at the end there that I perhaps won't be quite such an angry old man as as, as, uh, I present myself. Um, So where are we coming from? Realist synthesis is fitting within a new HS and and, uh, evaluation world, if you like, uh, research and evaluation world, um, where we're increasingly interested in uh, theory-informed approaches. And so realist um, synthesis offers a mechanism by which we can engage with that theory, Obviously, we do that at two levels. We do it at the level of a program theory, a sort of how it works type of theory. But then we try and relate it to something a bit more generalizable, a bit more transferable, hence the interest in in mechanisms. But it is only one route by which to pursue that sort of inquiry. Um, Complex interventions, a recognition that to understand uh, not just the intervention itself, but um, the, the health system within which it's operating, the, the um, population context, all of these other things, um, uh, that, that has become an increasing um, preoccupation. Obviously, there's MRC guidance on, on use of complex interventions, um, and, and increasingly we're recognising that context is important, so that you can have the same intervention in different contexts and it will work or not work, or work with differential effectiveness. Um, and, and of course realist synthesis has appropriated this mantra and I wish I had a pound for every time I saw this in a, a grant proposal or an article, what works for whom under what circumstance the important point here is that it's not the only methodology that can explore and deliver against that and you know, that's one of the It happens to be a particularly sexy one at the moment, and and by all means, let's uh, take advantage of that. Um, But let's not pretend it's the only one that looks at um, variation in circumstances. As many of you are already aware that the effectiveness review has its limitations. It was designed for a particular purpose. um, And um, uh, (coughs) when it gets beyond that um, purpose, it starts to feel deficient. So, for example, a systematic review, you strip out all the context and then when you come to writing up your, um, your discussion, you then try and reinsert the context with your um, recommendations for practice. Seems a little bit perverse. You're throwing all of that information away and then reconstituting it. It's a bit like a cartoon that I remember seeing, which is someone inventing dehydrated water and then we just add water to get back to it again. And there's an element of that with a systematic review. Um, uh, there's a recognition that there's more diverse um, data that we can actually bring to bear. Um, so we don't just think of the randomized controlled trial, we perhaps think of accompanying process evaluations, perhaps accompanying quality of research that went alongside, that helped in the design of the intervention, that whole cluster of information that can help us to understand what's going on. Um, and importantly, there's there's a lot of funder um, receptivity to either realist-based based approaches or as a possible alternative, um, logic model-based approaches. Essentially, they both have a, a logic. The terminology is is different, and for many people, the terminology of logic models is actually more accessible than the terminology of, of realist um, approaches. Um, but but increasingly, are funders are saying where is your logic model in your proposal you know not as an outcome but actually as part of the, the design process. Um, this is a sort of cheap shot that I thought you'd find that interesting. This is the growth of realist reviews and syntheses just calculated from a fairly simple search of um, of um, PubMed just uh, earlier on in this week. Um, we can see a tremendous growth there. And of course, it's not just within uh, the medical field that we're seeing realisynthesis. So this, if you like, is just, just within uh, uh, the scope of Medline. Um, I've just selected um, here some of the funded realist work that um, um, uh, has been uh, received just through one funding um, organisation, the NIHR, the the primary one in in this country, Um, and you can see that the programme that's uh, most interested in in the realist approaches is uh, the Health Services and Delivery Research Programme, and that's... um, Bears out my own experience, as we come to in a minute. Um, but we do see them already there with um, with health technology assessment, and I know other projects are in process. Um, and the alternative here, th- this final one, isn't a realist synthesis, but it's a logic model approach. So, if you're interested in, you know, sort of uh, counterposing or counterpointing the two different approaches together, it, it shows you a, another way of trying to explore um, the logic of what's going on there um this, this is my my own experience of realist synthesis they're, they're mounting up a, a bit so um for the health technology assessment program and looking at prevention of postnatal depression um particularly looking at um, the, the contribution of group processes so groups have certain mechanisms that can be beneficial so they can encourage you being part of a, a self-help group but on the other hand they can be demoralizing you think uh, um, so-and-so is getting better, I'm not, or, or I can uh, sympathise with so-and-so, but she's been coming here for, um, for, for for months and months and doesn't seem to be getting any better, so is it likely that I'm not going to be get, getting any better? So, so we do tend to think of groups as being a good thing, but of course um, we realise that um, there are adverse effects of group treatments, and so that was the sort of thing we were able to explore in, in that particular really interesting um, appointment reminder system and looking at the, uh, the logic behind um, uh, people's attendance uh, whether there are particular types of appointments that people are more likely to attend. Um, one of the simple things we did was um, just look at the attendance rates across a variety of conditions and we found that uh, things that were uh, about attendance for something aimed at a general population level like uh, a blood donation um, had um, very um, low uh, and, uh, uh, participation, low attendance rates, um, and things that were targeted at, um, uh, for example, accompanying a sick child, um, perhaps to an inherited metabolic disease clinic, had very high attendance. And so we could we can hypothesise things about people's feeling of the importance of, the, or the, or indeed the symbolism of the, the appointment um, there. Um, other ones in public health and looking at community engagement. Group clinics, um, some of you who are familiar with um, realist syntheses might have heard of the idea of, of transferable um, or reusable platforms where you can take some theorising from one area and use it in another. Um, well, um, because of the recurrence of groups in group clinics, I was able to use some of the uh, thinking that has informed the group treatment for postnatal depression in terms of thinking about both positive and negative consequences. Um, some work with a, a, um, a local research fellow um, on uh, dementia, dementia um, how do you get people involved in, in improvement of services when they have uh, uh, diminished mental capacity um, for part of their, their life. Um, challenging one medically unexplained symptoms, and that was challenging because every aspect of the the question was, was vague, um, and, um, and then we used realist synthesis, which added another layer of, of um, uh, interpretation to the whole process. And then one in a, a, a reorganisation context, new modules of care. And then I, I won't go through all of these, but um, just to show that there are um, uh, other ones taking place. I will just uh, highlight the avoidable admissions one there. Um, because this is part of a half a million pound contract that we have to do on-demand rapid reviews and uh, we're actually doing a realist synthesis to try and unpick um, uh, what happens with regard to avoidable emissions. Um, that's an interesting one because the funders actually said we want to know barriers and facilitators and we thought that's a very simplistic and probably not very helpful question to ask and because it was the HS&DR programme we said well would you mind if we explore this through a realist synthesis so so we've upped the expectation and the up the ante there, um, but we think would be more useful than just having a simple um, barriers and facilitation type structure. Um, um, but I, I've already mentioned that um, other methods can contribute to our uh, in, uh, lines of inquiry. This is supposed to be me riding two horses because I, I'm also involved in some of the thinking around use of logic models in systematic review. And so um, it's just sort of fair to present that as, I'm not sure if it's the control or the intervention to realist synthesis, but as a comparator. Um, And so I've been involved in um, producing guidance um, as part of an EU project on on the use of logic models. And and, and this is where the interest in similarities and differences comes from. Um, There's no doubt that realist synthesis can contribute something that is not present in most review methods, um, this is a very nice article. It's part of the series, and Jeff has written a, a very good front piece to this on complexity, and um, the series. Um, but um, this is actually saying that um, that one of the virtues of realist synthesis is it's a method for integrating quantitative and qualitative data together. Um, there aren't many methods that do that. There are techniques for bringing them together, like putting things in matrices or using a model or framework to bring quantitative quality data together. there are not many methods that um, that um, do equal justice, if you like, to both research traditions. And so that's certainly worth bearing in mind when we're trying to evaluate the role of um, uh, realist synthesis. Um, and... Um, that the challenge of complexity is trying to unearth the sources of the variation. Well, that's the very claim made by real synthesis. Although it's interesting that um, the authors of this paper also say that um, logic models are a, a route by which to achieve that. Um, and we see a growing interest in review types. Um, um, and so, if you like, what we're doing is we're opening an increasing toolbox of different review types for different purposes. Um, And and here are some examples, uh, rapid reviews. Um, I know the course um, uh, uh, um, has already uh, mentioned the series um, by Trico here of the the different papers on review types. So it's very appropriate to be thinking, well, what is the the role to be inhabited by um, realist reviews and realist syntheses? Um, but the danger is that it, we, we, we could adopt this sort of uncritically as yet another method. And uh, as I indicated earlier, I've been around a long time, and the, the first systematic reviews that we had to deal with were clinical effectiveness reviews. That was that was a model pioneered by Cochrane. Um, pretty early on, though, we, we can't ask questions about clinical effectiveness in a health environment without asking the cost-effectiveness question. Um, I I was then involved in one of the earliest um, NIHR um, HTA reports that included qualitative research in a review. Um, We were looking at... um, newborn um, screening neonatal screening and of course one of the things you have to do is take a blood sample from the heel of the, of the newborn and we wanted to look at the qualitative of evidence around that so there you have the question of getting larger, we've got clinical effectiveness cost effectiveness, acceptability and since then we've had all of these other parts of the decision problem, parts of the decision question, expanding acceptability, feasibility meaningfulness um, and to that, we've now added the what works for who under what circumstances. So the list is getting longer and longer, the, the bids are getting more and more expensive, it makes a lot of work for the research community, um, but um, it makes it even more important to know that the money is being spent in a, in a, 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 a useful way. way. Um, just as a light-hearted break here, um, that there are so many um, review labels, we've estimated about 50 different review labels, But the other week, I went and did a presentation in Huddersfield, not quite the caliber of Oxford, but um, still an interesting experience. And I developed a a review label, Random Generator. And someone picked up on this on Twitter and said, do you mind if I turn it into a, a tweet bot? And so what we have now, every hour, a new review is generated Um, hypothetical review with a topic area but then the actual review title so there is a whole industry about review labels so we've got a a rapid mega narrative umbrella review we've got um, findings from a rapid quantitative framework overview Um, a rapid quantitative realist review um, and a rapid quality hermeneutic synthesis. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure you should follow this on Twitter, but uh, um, it's certainly, um, if you want to um, get someone really enthusiastic, if you find one of these topics in their area, they're going to think it's a real review, aren't they? So, so um, uh, you could be a bit mischievous and just read through um, And then it looks like we've done the same thing, but this is a real one, um, and this was the uh, Interrupt project. And the reason for this is I want to show the complementarity of realist reviews within the whole, if you like, HTA package here. So look at what we're looking at. Intervention effectiveness, cost effectiveness, qualitative synthesis, that was the bit I was involved in, and then the realist synthesis that Joe Rycroft and Malone uh, led. But, but perhaps the most memorable thing, apart from the findings, of course, which were brilliant, um, uh, but the most memorable thing was this schema, which actually. Um, Once you get your head around it, it starts to make you think of the different roles of the different types of review. So what we have down here are the different questions that the decision maker needs to ask and then what you have here, you have the process of, of evidence selection, if you like. And then you have different types of review that can help you answer these particular questions. And you can see here that um, the realist synthesis is making an important contribution in terms of did it work as plan, what worked for whom in what context, and what were the barriers. Um, So, um, it's important to think of realist synthesis not as part of this industry, but in terms of complementarity with other um, types of um, review for asking different types of questions. Um, This is um, from uh, a recent um, paper from a series on complex interventions, uh, authored by Mike Kelly, who many of you will know is the the, uh, former public health director for NICE. Um, But um, what I wanted to show was that when you look at the problem of systematic reviews of complex interventions, and you try and invent the stages that you need to do in order to address that sort of um, uh, review problem, you end up with something that looks very much like the ingredients, not the structure, but the ingredients of a realist synthesis. Okay? And, and that leads me to um, this, which is, um, you know, I'm playing all the right notes, but not necessarily in the right order. So, so has one of these got it right? Is the systematic reviews of complex interventions that I've just shown you? Is that the right way? Or is the realist synthesis the right way? Um, so how do you judge which of these is appropriate? Has one of them got all the right notes, but not in the right order? Um, and so where do these two methods meet? Um, so... I, I, I indicated that there are different views that you can take of um, uh, the the role between um, systematic reviews and realist syntheses. You can see them as as opposites, as enemies. Um, that certainly, uh, as as Jeff has said previously, is, is uh, um you know sort of was very often the starting point for seeing that these two um, worlds were rubbing against each other. Perhaps um, we could see them uh, one being additive to the other, which. Uh, that is implied by the diagram I showed you earlier. Um, or perhaps, uh, more, more helpfully, we could perhaps see a synergism. The idea that these things become stronger than the sum of their parts by actually using them alongside each other. Um, so so let's look at when um, systematic reviews meet um, uh, realist reviews here. Um, I think this was a very clever thing for Ray Porson to do. And this was to ally... Realist synthesis with systematic reviews you must have realized that there was a lot of um, uh, a lot of mileage, a lot of funding being accompanied with the idea of systematic reviews and, and, and so this title is immediately placing all his reviews there, but a lot of his other work doesn't show that same respect it's a bit like um, um, the, the, the Panama flag of convenience that many ships will have. You know, It's not because they want to be allied with Panama, but because that is a place, a convenient place to locate your ship under. And so I think this was, this was clever, very clever marketing um, that meant you could have your cake needed. It doesn't have, mean you have to sell out, but you can, um, if you like to mix analogy, catch, ride the wave, catch the wave that, that, um, that was there. Um, And um, when you see in that same paper um, something like this, then it it clearly is um, uh, at least imitating some of the systematic review process. And the interesting thing is that if you look at um, uh, Ray Corson's books, um, they they don't show this same sort of more um, uh, recipe-type approach. They're, They're much more about the the spirit of doing a review. If anyone's tried to do a review based on, for example, chapter four of, um, uh, of Ray's book, you find it very challenging as a procedural manual. But for this particular audience, Journal of Health service Research and Policy, Catching the Eye of the Funders, it, 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 it is very good marketing to place a realist synthesis. It has a realistic review under this sort of paradigm. Um, but... I've just put this up as one example. When you start to put the two side by side, you can you can see some of the similarities and differences. Um, and uh, um, it's a little bit like the debate that we have um, with systematic review topics of what's called lumping versus splitting. You've probably heard of that. So um, we can decide that we're going to look at the similarities in realist review with systematic reviews, or we could emphasise the difference depending on which. Uh, sort of, um, suits, suits our ideological stance. Um, so, you know, is it, is it a real review method or is it a rogue payment? Um, this isn't just to publicize our book, which is doing very well on, um, on Amazon, by the way. Um, <laughs> the, 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 it's really to introduce one of my sort of, uh, constant theses, if you like, um, which is that, that, um, rather than saying every review has to be a systematic review, which I have got colleagues in my own organisation who do believe that, and we've had interesting debates when you try to get all master's students to all do a systematic review. Um, I'm sort of more in, more in the middle. I think that any literature review can be systematic, and that you can add certain parts to the systematic process. We came up with the acronym SALSA, search, appraisal, synthesis, and analysis. And if you think of a graphic equalizer, where you have all of these things, you can have a very systematic search, in fact, not very much in the way of appraisal. And you could have a very systematic approach to synthesis, or you could have something that is perhaps more narrative and less structured. So all of these are negotiable points within the toolkit. And so that's what the book's getting at. this is the second edition so um, more than one person bought the first edition and they asked us to do another Um, I'm not quite sure about having a maze there Um, I was told very early on that actually um, if you just focus on part of it it looks like I'm allied with the the National Socialist um, party I was... I was asking someone to admire the brand new book that just arrived through the post, and that um, they even spotted that so it um, keeps, you, keeps you humble but the the, the first edition um, was a lot of um, fingers like that um, um, which we um, told the publishers that wouldn 't go down very well, particularly in america so we, we got that changed but the point i 'm making is that um, systematic um, uh, Reviews, systematic approaches, should I say, are possible within a range of reviews. So let's look at how um, systematic review and realist um, review uh, sort of uh, marry up, if you like, in terms of using systematic review as a, uh, some sort of a yardstick or benchmark in this context. So you can have a structured question for a, a, a realist synthesis. You can construct it. Um, Tranfield and Denyer, in the field of management, came up with this formulation, which is called CMO, which has intervention and mechanism, outcome, and context. So it's very close to the CMO. Um, there are differences in the search strategies. If you've ever tried mapping out a, um, the, the course of doing a, a realist review in terms of the searching process, um, uh, sorry, I'm getting too excited. Um, uh, then, then you can um, see that it really challenges being documented in a formal, Christmas sort of way. Um, sampling um, in the meta anal- analytic camp, it's that you find every appropriate or every included study. and That's certainly not something we are encouraged to do in a realist review. And the role of quality assessment, well, um, the formula that, um, that um, Ray articulates is that you're trying to trade off relevance and rigour, and so as a consequence, the quality assessment process isn't. Um, privileged as much as it is within the systematic review process um, and, and there's the famous quote that you've probably encountered about um, uh, finding nuggets which means that even in a relatively poor quality paper you can find something that actually contributes um, uh, an important part of your, your, um, your picture um, synthesis is not a problem we've got various mechanisms for organising it's in some lovely presentations of, of synthesis in both graphical and, and tabular form Um, The analysis is obviously more interpretive rather than a deductive process of systematic review. Um, uh, In your classic systematic review, uh, use of theory is relatively uncommon, although in fairness, um, in Cochrane reviews now, they have a standard paragraph, which is how this intervention is thought to work. So there's some theorising going on there, and that's been a major breakthrough. And then reporting standards, and and obviously Jeff and colleagues are are, are, um, are well behind um, uh, 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 that initiative, giving it it support and and, and contributing a long way to getting the legitimacy of of, uh, realist um, review um, within the, the review community. But actually, we're on a lot stronger lumping, if you like, if we don't choose the quantitative systematic review as our benchmark, but if we look to the field of quality, though, in synthesis, the area that I, I, I'm concentrating on myself, because essentially we see that, that such things as purposive and theoretical sampling are regarded as being legitimate within that context. We can see that being interpretive um, in, in such methods as ethnography um, is a legitimate thing to do with it. It's not just about using deductive reasoning. Uh, we can see a role for theory uh, very uh, prominent within qualitative research. Um, we can see similarities in terms of the the role of the reporting standards as a as a sort of more a guide rather than a than a scaffold, if you like. Uh, in fact, you know, if we look at it in that context, the only the only real difference is is the re- the unique realist review of trading off relevance and rigor, um, where where quality assessment. Um, has a, an uneasy um, um, stance within uh, quality of evidence synthesis, this, um, but I think generally people accept that it's something that you you need to do. Um, so we can see that these are much closer to each other than the, the sort of stereotyping that uh, this um, antagonism uh, brings. So. Somewhat surprisingly, given my title, I do see realist review as occupying a place, not just as another of these 50 labels, but as a legitimate um, part of the toolkit. And so when I produced guidance for the European project, looking at different methods of using qualitative evidence, realist synthesis appeared there, together with an assessment of the different functions um, of the uh, the different qualitative methods. Accepting that realist synthesis isn't purely qualitative, mixed methods, yet, and also looking at some of the roles. So, for example, in generating, exploring, and testing theory, being, um, the GET um, trinity that um, that Goff and uh, Thomas have—generating, uh, exploring, and, and testing—and uh, and serving realist synthesis does all of those in the same package. Whereas uh, other qualitative methods, um, synthesis methods, um, aspire to one or two of those. Uh, we've already had allusion um, in the, the course downstairs to this particular um, uh, diagram, and um, this was the inspiration for my title, um, if I can claim inspiration for something like that, um, but, you know, that, that you have all of the, the um, sort of minutiae of mapping out these wonderful things, and then a Ray porson enters the room and says, oh, what's going on here is this. And magic happens and you have a review or now in the next generation you have a Jeff who comes in and says perhaps this is happening and I've done it all on a flip chart and this is where we are um, but um, we're, we, when we're measuring this against the standards of systematic review we want to know well what's going on there what what gets us from this side of the miracle to the other side um, And and so here is some of the areas that I personally think need more detail. Um, we need more detail on how you actually identify programme theories. Um, that would take away some of the magic that's going on. Uh, we need more detail on how people prioritise programme theories. It's very clear, um, although not apparent to everyone, that you can't explore every programme theory that you can generate from the literature. You have to have some method, method or mechanism for um, prioritising them. Uh, Another one, um, how do you select the evidence to support the programme theories? How do you then link the programme theory and and your explanation of what's going on to mid-range theory? Um, Do you just have to um, um, resort to having some bright person who's multidisciplinary, who's got all these theories going around in their head, and who can suddenly make the link between programme theory and um, and mid-range theory? Um, and that's the final thing, how do we make that link? So there's lots of challenges there. That's the, we've had the expression black box used before, but that's what I think is the more detail that's required. Um, I, 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 and there's a couple of reasons for expressing these res- reservations. That, that um, we've already said the realist review method, in its complexity, and here we have from a, a forthcoming um, uh, book, uh, we have the sort of model of the conventional systematic review and then we have the model of the search for a, a, a realist review and you can see how, how complex that process actually is. And that pr- provides a challenge at every stage in terms of people having confidence in what you've done and how you report it. And then we have challenges in terms of the interpretation, so if we have statements here I haven't referenced this, although you could probably track down who it is by putting it into a phrase, uh, but, but essentially this is the, the magic that I'm a little bit suspicious of, that they suddenly came up with these, these um, four common mechanisms and they, they decided what they are and then in terms of how they selected them and decided they were important, they were in at least two of the three case examples, so how did they decide that there have to be two, all of these things going on here. Um, and, and so, um, a question that, that I had to grapple with very early on in the process is, is it possible to search for theory systematically, and by that I mean both program theory and mid-range theory? Um, and this is where some of the conflict um, comes in. Uh, Ramsey is very friendly convivial so when I talk about conflict I don't mean that I, I've been emotionally scarred by the, the debate that we've had here but, but certainly this was very interesting for me in the juxtaposition here. So I posted on the Ramsey's list that, that I saw the Achilles heel of realist review being that um, you know, it really depends on the theoretical resources that you have at your disposal. So, so you know, how are you going to get that theory? If you've got an expert then that's great. Um, um, not an expert in the topic area, but an expert in all the theories that you can use to explain, and asking the question, is there any way we could make that more systematic? And I said, we're just in danger of just magic being a theory that might like pull in flowers out of a top class. Um, and then, of course, a no-lesser person, Trish Greenhalgh, uh, said, you're almost asking for a technical way of eliciting programme theories. I say it can't be done. And, of course, She's right in the sense of, if you take it to the reductive observer observer, that that's not the only way you can do it. But certainly, trying to be systematic can have a place in the process, as I'm going to demonstrate, hopefully. Um, and then Ray Porson, I mean, that's the brilliant thing about Ramesses, is that you had the very people who were thinking about these things all the time, and so he says that the... The Mystery of Theory Generation, there's a little bit of, oh no, not that again, uh, coming in that first sentence, Um, but um, he says he likes a bit of magic in conjuring them up, but he suspects (laughs) that we can't include hocus-pocus in the Ramesses Declarations, so he's realising he's, in fact, you know, that could have been the alternate uh, title, couldn't it, that, you know, sort of, no hocus-pocus in Ramesses Declarations, the two traditions there contending with each other. And, and and he makes the point of um, the need to, to move between the program theory, what he calls the stakeholder theories there, and the abstract mid-range theory. So he's a, appreciating it's an important process. Um, and then I have tried to have the last word. You never do with that particular audience, but I tried to have the last word. I, I said that, you know, even the analogy of magic is perhaps an unfortunate one, because if you look at people like the uh, David Blaine or, or I don't know many of the other magicians but um, they spend hours perfecting so that it all looks like magic but actually there's a lot of work going on beneath it and I suspect there's an element of that about realist synthesis that, that actually um, that the argumentation is very well constructed, it has a very strong logic but that still doesn't take away the need to explain how, how the trick was done in you like. Um, and um, then I just said um, that the problem is that uh, if we start to call this alchemy rather than magic, um, then um, although Pawson said we can dig for nuggets, then we're you know, sort of really trying to turn our anthracite into to nuggets. So can we search for theory? Well, this um, is a suggestion that we can actually... Um, uh, search for particular types of theory using particular search methods. There are a series of terms that we know are explicitly associated with um, program theory, and these um, are primarily um, um, extracted from a very good article by James Thomas and colleagues, which is on on, um, program logic, program theory. can we find mid-range theory? Well, I'll show you we can find mid-range theory. Um, obviously, the best type of mid-range theory in terms of its utility, not necessarily its wider contribution, would be where the people who have been grappling with the problem in the primary studies can make a connection to, to uh, mid-range theory. So there's been some of the connecting for us. Um, but it's not untypical to find the two literatures inhabit different worlds so the conceptual thinking is one body of literature that you perhaps won't retrieve from your literature search and the the examples the empirical stuff may be another body of literature, so part of what I'm suggesting here is sort of joining those two literatures back up to help you identify mid-range theory so um, if one was to combine a string of terms using Google Scholar not because it's superior to bibliographic databases, but because it has a full text uh, facility, so you're getting into the content of the article, not just the title and abstract. But if we use a string of terms like logic model or theory of change or theory of action, etc., etc., and combine it with the topics that we're exploring, in my case, postnatal depression, then you find studies that articulate theories of change. They might not be the one that you choose to use, but they are candidate theories. They might not be the ones that Trish Greenhouse would choose to generate, but they're another pool that you can put alongside your expert generation, alongside the input from your stakeholders. So she was right. You can't just do this as a single process, but it has some complementarity. And by doing it systematically, you can report it and you can communicate the science of what you've done Um, of course we do have some problems Um, Jeff has alluded to the fact that not everyone will call something a programme of change um, or a theory of change so um, you will only get um, if you like a tip of the iceberg of theorising but it's a good way into the literature Um, they may not relate to your specific programme of interest so just because it happens to be on the topic it might not be the part of the clinical pathway that you're interested in um, part of the chain. Um, the theories of change may be in a separate document. And what I've come up with is a method called cluster searching, which is where you try and track down from a source article or other related reports to that particular study. And so the theory of change might, might be identified in one of those um, uh, other accounts. So, essentially, you're using the, the study you have found as the gatekeeper to the study you haven't found to find the programme theory. Again, reportable and systematic. Um, and I've come up with a procedure for handling theory. We call it the It's a, an acronym there, um, and, and I'll give you the reference. So the this is uh, one for, for my PhD student. They're looking at uh, realist theory for how local government uses NICE guidance. Um, but so the behavior is attitude, the NICE guidance. The, um, the health context is public health and local government. The, um, um, the exclusions, the sort of models or theories we're not interested in are things like economic models, statistical models, Um, And then we have the terms associated with models or theories. Um, I'm not going to go into the details of the procedure but just to say that this is starting to make it look more systematic. It's it's, uh, reproducible, it's transparent, it's explicit. Um, And we mustn't um, pretend that that when it comes to mid-range theory that it's completely open season. There are a number of, pro, uh, of mid-range theories that are very common in phenomena, in literature. That's how they've become mid-range theories. So there are certain ones we could actually be looking at in our literature. So if you've got a reference management database, you could be searching it. I wonder if any of the abstracts have any of these particular models in there, if anyone's made a connection. Again, it's not necessarily going to lead you all the way, but it can be a starting point. And in fact, there's an even better list of compendia in Susan Mitchell called the ABC of Behaviour Change and where you could actually, almost like choosing a paint for your bedroom, you can go through and decide which of these might well be ones that help to explain uh, what's going on. Um, So here's just a couple of strategies here. Um, So two strategies, diffusion of innovations and NICE guidance. Okay, so I picked something that I think is a potential theory, and I've done a search to see, has anyone cross-referenced or used in the same document the diffusion of innovations theory and NICE guidance? And sure enough, at the top here, we have someone making that particular link. Okay? So again, it's being systematic in, in our exploration. What, what, what I'm trying to do is, is get more if you think of your, your detective um, um, programs on telly, um, you have the Poirot who suddenly goes, ah, I and mean, that's sort of the magic in to there. But you also have the Clods who go through the grass looking for the murder weapon. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a Plod. This is, this is what I'm offering you: A systematic way, not for the whole process, we still need the Poiros, but actually giving you some of the evidence. And then this is the other approach. Once you have a, a citation for a theory, so this is the citation of diffusion of innovations, you can use in Google Scholar search within citing articles. And so there, anyone who cited the diffusion of innovations theory, have they referenced national, uh, the, the NICE guidance? So two approaches to systematically um, start making connections between mid-range theory and our, our topic of our realist computer. There are some problems with this, and I've put up some biases here. Um, certain disciplines don't call their theories theories. There's a lot of theorising in sociology and they're never um, called it a theory. But things that we work in, like public health, like nursing, they do use theories. Um, another issue is actually you might find some theory that explains some part of the pathway, but not the pathway that you're interested in. And we've had problems with that before in selecting models and theories. Um, but the right phenomenon, but not at the right part of the decision-making process. So, so be aware of the temporal um, side of your questions. Um, and, and so, as well as the behemoth thing, if that not enough, then we, this is the cluster search. Essentially, you're looking for two types of evidence. We're looking for sibling studies, those are studies that actually issued from the same study, sibling papers from the same study, or kinship papers, papers that are linked in some way. So there might be antecedent projects to your project, so they're cited in your paper, and that, that's where some of the initial theorising comes from. I'm aware of the uh, time, so I'll, I'll just um, go through this um, uh, quickly here. Um, I'm not going to spend much time on this. The the purpose of realist synthesis isn't making a link with ground theory. What we want is something practical. We want to stick with mid-range theory. But just to say that um, these things are not typically even called theories. They're they're typically labeled, for example, social inequality we can actually try and place on our research in that map. So this is just uh, very briefly uh, a worked example. uh, we used existing logic model um, and um, tested our data um, against the logic model. Um, we tried to make a link between um, various initiatives of post-natal depression and the underpinning theory. So this, this is where we started to move to, from the, the program theory behind each of these and making a link with the, the wider theory. So this relied on the, the, the originators of the initiative actually identifying that there was a mid branch theory behind the intervention. Um, and so this is where we link our program theories... We give them labels. Some people won't like that, but it's just a sort of shorthand for referring to them later. So we have a program theory uh, developing trust. Program theory: postnatal depression will be prevented if women develop meaningful relationships with other women in the group, um, women in the group, and with healthcare providers. Some references there, a link to mid-range theory, and then some um, thoughts of the components contribute So. After starting off in a fairly antagonistic view, I'm coming towards the end here, suggesting some sort of rapprochement. We can see similarities between qualitative synthesis and realist synthesis. We can recognize that the world is big enough for horses for courses approach to go and dip into the toolkit, either for a particular um, review method for a particular problem, or to place them alongside each other in order to yield some sort of um, um, uh, complementarity. So from the searching there I- I've hopefully demonstrated that it is possible to be more systematic than we are at the moment with realist synthesis and if we do that then we'll get it more acknowledged as a genuine bona fide method of doing review than at the moment where a lot of this is measured. I hopefully have demonstrated through examples. And, and they weren't manufactured examples. Those are standard search strings using the very crude search strategies, as you can see from my topic area, like post depression. depression. The right results were appearing towards the top of the um, it's there. Um, And so there is a role for another sort of type of search process that is specifically looking for theory. Um, but what we don't want to do is move to searching where there is light. And this is where we come back to Trish Greenhalgh's point. If we only draw on the theories that people have already identified, we're losing some of the value. And and so we really need to make sure that this is just a a line of inquiry, a line of exploration. It's not the answer. It's part of the journey, part of the process. I'm not trying to turn us all into meta-analytic nerds who can churn out a... A realist synthesis by just um, uh, uh, having a few search terms into view. Um So, to reconciliation. Um, reconciliation is possible, and these are the two of the possible routes. Um, we can certainly genera- demonstrate that realist review, realist synthesis is more systematic than it currently does justice. And on the other side, we, we can actually look at the contribution of um, some of the things that realist synthesis brings to the mix, and how that impacts on other review methods. So we, we're, if you like, we're benefiting both parts by we're strengthening both parts by the synergy between them. And so, in the forthcoming um, uh, book that's edited in, um, by um, uh, the team up in Leeds, and Jeff contributed a chapter, we contributed a chapter. We've tried to put the realist search into a more systematic basis. Um, sorry, I'm, here, I'm trying to send notes there, but uh, I'm happy to send, um, send uh, these, these slides around afterwards. But the other thing that will increase the acknowledgement, the acceptance of realist synthesis is recognition of the importance of theory to our understanding of interventions. And this is where, where realist synthesis can benefit from the work we're doing in qualitative synthesis. This is a seminal initiative, not the paper, but the initiative was really important. Cochrane funded the qualitative methods group to actually demonstrate, along with members of the quantitative community, the importance of of social theories for their systematic reviews. And, And so we start to move into other types of quality assessment, Can we judge fitness for purpose of theories? Are we moving away from judging fitness of research designs, which is the emphasis of systematic reviews, to fitness of theories? Do we start evaluating theories? So um, we want to move away from uh, the current sexiness of realist synthesis. It's the answer to everything, if you would believe certain funding programs. And that's the the idea, to the man with a hammer, everything is a nail. To opening up this really rich review toolbox, selecting appropriate methods um, for each of the problems that we face. And um, on that note, I'll leave and uh, await your response.